0: If you want people to perform better, you reward them, right? Bonuses, commissions, their own reality show, incentivize them. That's how business works, but that's not happening here.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Welcome to episode 41. I can't believe we're 41 episodes in. When we look back at episode 1, where we had a plan, we've kept to some of it. Some of it's changed, some of it's evolved. Hopefully it's still working for you, because that is very much still the plan. And it would be great if you could tell me if it is, or if it isn't, what you'd like to change. We've had a flurry of reviews and shout... Oh, that's not the right word, is it? Shoutouts. Shoutouts is not a good phrase. It sounds a bit DJ'd, isn't it? Hello, babe, we've had a shout-out for Sharp the Podcast on Rock Your Productivity FM. Hmm. I wonder if that's an idea. Productivity and rock music. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome
0: to Productivity Rocks.
1: No. No, it's definitely not. We've had a flurry of reviews and mentions recently. And one thing that seems to be consistent is that people are saying that this podcast is different to what they expected. A few people have said they'd normally run a mile if they were asked to listen to a productivity podcast. But when they listened to us, they really liked it. Well, if that's true, then maybe you've got friends or colleagues who could also do with some help. People that would not normally even think about listening to a productivity or a self-development podcast, but perhaps they just need to listen and realise that we're not the same as all that boring stuff that's out there. So it would be great if... uh, I nearly dropped into it again. It would be great, mate. So it would be great if you do them a favour and share what you've learned. Tell them why you like listening to this and get them on board. You can be sharp ambassadors. I might even get some badges printed. But seriously, it would be really cool if you let them in on your secret. Show someone where to find us and even download an episode on their phone or their device for them. Now at the end of this episode, I'll be wetting your appetite for what I think will be something pretty special coming along. But before all that, what are we talking about today? We'll be looking at a simple way of smashing your jobs list, why being a leader doesn't mean you need to be the boss, and why we might be incentivising our teams and even our kids to fail. Okay, well the first bit of goodness comes from the groovy people at lifehacker.com. Now there are a lot of life hacks out there, aren't there? and I generally take most of them with a pinch of salt. Some of them are just rubbish. There's one that I found that made me laugh where they show you life hacks like save money by using ketchup as a bookmark, or cut tennis balls in half to make them easier to store. And my favourite one, if you've put too much water in your rice, try tossing a few mobile phones in there to soak it up. Now, some hacks are less obviously done for comedy and more for clickbait. And in our area of getting better at stuff, there is an awful lot of nonsense out there. But I came across this one from Lifehacker and it caught my attention because it seemed simple and in fact, when I investigated it properly, I can see that it could really help you to get stuff done. Now we've covered task managers and structures a lot in past episodes. We've looked at everything from Kanban boards to GTD, and we've looked at apps like Nozbe and Evernote. And it is true, to do lots of things well and quickly, you do need to invest some time in setting up a method of making that work for you. But this simple idea that I came across can work if you need a quick solution now and you haven't yet set up your system. And the whole article is explained in the title, Divide Your To-Do List Into Easy and Hard Columns. Now, this article by Michelle Wu really does make good common sense. Michelle says, To do deeper work that gets us closer to reaching our goals, our to-do lists should sync up with our energy levels. She tells us that Molly Crockett, who's an assistant psychology professor at Yale University, has a system where she has a list of things that require a lot of mental bandwidth. I think in normal conversation, that means concentration. And then she has a separate list of things that she can do at the end of the day when her energy is run low. So basically, there's an easy column and there's a hard one. Now Molly says she starts the day by setting out to complete only one thing from each list. But apparently by doing that, she actually ends up doing usually three or four because she's set the bar so low. Michelle explains that it makes sense to plan our days based on our biological rhythms, which vary by person. She quotes Daniel Pink, who we're going to hear from more later in this episode. And what Daniel Pink says is that there's a period of day when we're at our peak, and that's best for doing the analytical stuff, things like writing a report or checking a financial statement. Then he says there's the trough, which is the dip. And basically, that's not good for anything. And then there's recovery. So that's less optimal than the peak, but it's the time when we do better at things that need insight or creative tasks. Daniel Pink says that he prefers to do his most intense work, the hard stuff, which for him is writing, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, after he's had a chance to wake up a bit, or late at night. And then the easy stuff, for him, can be done about 4 o'clock in that slump. Now what I like about this simple idea is that it brings together quite a few ingredients that we've looked at before. Do you remember the idea of baby steps, setting yourself the goal of doing one thing because you'll probably do more, and batching, doing similar tasks together, in this case, tasks that need similar energy levels. And if you combine it with eating the frog, you know, wiping out one of the hard things first thing in the day, that feels to me like this could be a killer method that will not only let you eat your frog, but I reckon this idea will have you crunching through those jobs in no time. Why not give it a try? Split your to-do list into two columns, an easy column and a hard column, and then work across those two lists as your energy goes up and down during the day. Thanks, Michelle. We'll put a link to this smashing idea in the show notes. Okay, next we've got this episode's podcast recommendation. Now, as you may know, I am a huge fan of Evernote. But what you may not know is that Evernote have their own podcast. And they don't just bang on about Evernote in it as well. In each episode, they talk with industry leaders or their own teams, a huge range of people who can help you find out more about what can make your business or even your life get better. And we like things that help you get better, don't we? This particular episode that I'm recommending is in two halves. The first half is... An interesting chat with Michael Hyatt, who we've talked about before, and he talks about taking charge of your goals. But it's the second half that I found particularly interesting. They talk with someone called Marvel Allen. Now, Marvel Allen is the founder of the Millennium Career Advantage, which is a professional coaching firm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, her talk really intrigued me because it challenges us to rethink what we mean by influence. Importantly, She stresses that just because someone isn't in management doesn't mean that they lack influence. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It's often the lower level employees that can have the most influence in an organization. Here's a snip where Marvel Allen is talking about how people can influence and deal with challenging managers.
2: Making it seem like what they believe is more important than you, you need to be confident when you let them know that what they believe is just one side of the coin and your beliefs are also one side. Let's respect where we are so that we can get the work done. So there is a difference between influence and respect. If I respect, I can influence better. If I care about what this manager or person thinks about and I've listened to them carefully, I'm probably going to have more success in influencing them. But it's not like I have to go golfing with them every other day. I may not want to do that, and that's going to be okay. So if there's someone who comes to you and says…
1: This part made me laugh when she was talking about team building.
2: So you just touched upon a couple of things. One, you talked about influencing people who are in your orbit. Mm -hmm. So we realize that we don't all work in isolation, right? That's true. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? And we have to be part of a team, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of a different dynamic at yes. play there. Yes. What are some of the unique challenges that you see in order for teams to work together more effectively? That's a great question. Many organizations for many, many years would do this whole thing called team building. Let's do a team building, and that will create the opportunity for us to all have the kumbaya moment and huggy, touchy, kissy body, and we're all great with one another. The challenge with that was when it was a one-off and it did not have continual reinforcement around support for the and respect for the differences that the various team members brought, then it in many cases failed, not in all. What I love about group coaching is we take some of those key components of coaching and work with people for where they are right there. I may be brought in or work with a, a, a team that needs to learn how to listen better to their colleagues. So, for example, with one of the leadership programs...
1: I like the way that she sets out clearly how both parties have something to bring. And that's really refreshing. Now, I'd recommend putting Evernote in your podcatcher subscribe list anyway. It's a really great listen. The conversation is always calm, useful, and at times really entertaining. So, give it a try. The link, of course, well, you know where that's going to be, don't you? Now, I recognise I might be stretching the um, the audio-only format when I'm talking about blogs because either you've got to read a blog or I've got to tell you about it or I've got to read it to you and I always think if I find a blog and I like it and I share it with you I can't share it with you in the voice I'm hearing it in my head so I'm afraid you are gonna have to make do with my voice but I have found another blog that I really really like and I want to share with you because I really think it's worth having a look at. I found it at success.com, and it's an article from 2016 which quotes Jim Rohn. And the first time I read this, um, it was a bit dense. I don't mean dense as in stupid. I mean dense as in it took a couple of reads. But it really is worth it because what it shows is Jim Rohn's philosophy on success. And he says that many people are doing things the wrong way around. Their philosophy is this If I had more money, I'd be a better person. But that's not the way life is designed to work. Having more doesn't make us more, it merely magnifies what we already are. Now, I really like this. As you may know, I am not a millionaire. Sorry, this is me talking now. This is not Jim Rohn talking. And I don't run this podcast to help you make money. There's loads of them out there which claim they can. And if that's important to you, then you should give them a try. But here at Sharp Podcast, we think life is bigger than money. It's bigger than financial success or business success. And it's certainly bigger than a shonky get-rich-quick scheme. Our philosophy, my philosophy, is that if we can get better at the stuff that we have to do, we can focus on the more important things, the things we want to do. Now, sometimes the things we want to do change. I have an interest in things like productivity and that kind of stuff, and you don't have to. I have an interest in it, and I listen to some of these other podcasts that might be a bit heavy going, so I can then share the bits that might be of more interest to you. But of course, if we're spending all our time consumed by the stuff that we have to do, then when will we have time to live life? This paragraph from this blog at success.com sums it up perfectly. It is the acquisition of more value that we must pursue, not more valuables. Our objective must be to work harder on ourselves than we work on anything else. By giving careful attention to our philosophy, our attitude, and our activity, we are making a positive contribution to what we are becoming, and in the process of becoming more than we now are, we'll attract more than we now have. Brilliant. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jim. And that's why I reckon it's worth giving this blog at success.com not the once over, but the twice over. And where will we put the link? In the show notes. Finally, I've got a question. Do you incentivise your children for homework or good school results? Do you promise rewards to team members for great results on big, complicated projects? If you do, you might not be helping them. Our last recommendation this week is a superb TED Talk from Dan Pink. Now, we've featured Dan in previous episodes, and his book Drive is a remarkable read on what motivates people. Before Drive came out, Dan gave this TED talk in 2009 and today, 9 years later, unless you're listening from the future, it's still as powerful today as it was then. It's had 20 million views and it explains one very simple but powerful thing. Science has learned how people perform when you give them an incentive and business is getting it wrong. Here's a snip.
0: Now, this makes no sense, right? I mean, I'm, I'm an American. I believe in free markets. That's not how it's supposed to work, right? If you want people to perform better, you reward them, right? Bonuses, commissions, their own reality show, incentivize them. That's how business works. But that's not happening here.
1: Dan goes on to explain that incentives can work for a small group of very specific tasks that are simple and don't require much thinking. But for everything else, he says that not only do they not work, but they can actually harm the result.
0: Bank of the United States. That's the American experience. Let's go across the pond to the London School of Economics. LSE, London School of Economics. Alma mater of 11 Nobel laureates in economics. Training ground for great economic thinkers like George Soros and Friedrich Hayek and Mick Jagger. Last... Month. Just last month, economists at LSE looked at, at 51 studies of pay-for-performance plans inside of companies. Here's what the economists there said. We find that financial incentives can result in a negative impact on overall performance. There's a mismatch between what science knows and what business does. And what worries me as we stand here in the rubble of the economic collapse is that too many organizations are making their decisions, their their policies about talent and people, based on assumptions that are outdated, unexamined, and rooted more in folklore than in science. And if we really want to get out of this economic mess, and if we really want high performance on those definitional tasks of the 21st century, the solution is not to do more of the wrong things to entice people with a sweeter carrot or threaten them with a sharper stick. We need a whole new approach.
1: Now this got me thinking. Even if we don't directly manage teams of people, we use incentives in all sorts of places, don't we? Have you ever promised your kids a reward for a good exam result or a good school report? Have you ever made an agreement with yourself that if you get that blog written or that big piece of work done, You'll give yourself a big incentive at the end like a night out or that shiny thing that you've had your eyes on for weeks. Well there's always a place for a big night out of course but only if we're doing it to celebrate. If we think we can influence the result then Dan suggests that we think again. And if you do work somewhere that offers incentives to people for creative work or activities that take a bit of thinking he suggests that we should stop using lazy thinking and well I'll leave the last words to Dan.
0: Science confirms what we know in our hearts. So, if we repair this mismatch between what science knows and what business does, if we bring our motivation, notions of motivation into the 21st century, if we get past this lazy, dangerous ideology of carrots and sticks, we can strengthen our businesses, we can solve a lot of those candle problems, and maybe, maybe, maybe we can change the world. I rest my case.
1: In this episode then, I've shared things that I found that I think can really help you. And of course, as always, here are the takeaways. If you want to get more things done in your day, split your tasks into an easy list and a hard list, Put them side by side and work across the lists according to your energy levels. If you want to learn more about business, leadership, influence and get a few productivity tips along the way, have a listen to the Evernote podcast. After you've listened to Sharp, obviously. Work harder on yourself than you do on anything else. That sentiment from Jim Rohn is one I think I'm going to print off and put up above the doorway here at Sharp Towers. In fact, if you've watched my social media feed, you'll have seen it written on a tree. Thinking of offering an incentive to someone for completing a complex or creative task? Watch Dan's TED Talk or read his phenomenal book, Drive. Well, that's it for episode 41. Before the outro, oh, I said 41 again, didn't I? In that DJ way. 41. I'm going to start again. Not the whole thing. That's it for episode 41. Before the outro, I just want to whet your appetite for episode 42. Now fans of Douglas Adams will know that 42 is the answer to the big question about life, the universe and everything. Now I can't guarantee that I've got the answer to the big question, but I can guarantee that I've got a very special episode coming which will help you if you want to work actually doing something about the life bit of that statement. There's a perspective that certain types of people work in the creative industry and certain types of people don't. But recently I've been listening to a few different views on this. Things like the argument to say that even if you make spreadsheets for a living, it could be considered creative. But even if you do have what you might call a day job, many of us, have an idea that we'd like to do something in our life that makes a mark, gets recognised or just breaks up the routine. I'm talking here about writing that novel or taking up that creative hobby or even making a podcast. If you have a hankering to get a creative project off the ground and you find that you just don't have the time, episode 42 is definitely one to watch out for. I shall say no more other than quoting Mr. Adams himself. So long and thanks for all the fish. All the links, resources, and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you are able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. One of the benefits of being able to record this podcast is that you don't have to listen to all the failed attempts to start to do the um, opening bit. (laughs) I record things. I'm not happy with it. I record it again. At one point, I was even singing, and nobody wants to hear that. Anyway, enough of all that. Welcome to episode 41. I can't believe we're 41 episodes in.